Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Hi everyone and welcome back to this month's episode of BFR Radio. And the topic of this episode is actually a request from one of the listeners and hi to Dan and thanks for the interaction and we've actually been talking over a few different concepts of BFR and one of the questions I actually put to him is, is there any topics he'd like to hear in the podcast and he actually asked around BFR and stem cells which made me think about an article that I've actually reviewed for one of my workshops and it's back in 2012 from the journal Physiology, and it's called Proliferation of Myogenic Stem Cells in Human Skeletal Muscle in Response to Low-Load Resistance Training with Blood Flow Restriction. This article comes out of Denmark, and aside from having really great sports scientists over there, one of the things that they're able to do is a lot of muscle biopsies. This is where they come in, take some muscle fiber, and they're actually able to analyze it for different responses of training interventions. And particularly what they're looking at is here is stem cells or myogenic stem cells. And what I'm going to try and do is also throughout this article is give a little background or some meanings so you understand it. And I actually thought about calling this like something about a a myo episode because everything's myo. So when we think about myo, it's talking about muscle. So it originates in the muscle tissue. So when I talk about myogenic stem cells, it's talking about muscle stem cells. They're actually present in skeletal muscle tissue, and these can actually self-renew and are capable of giving rise to skeletal muscle cells. Stem cells are activated in response to muscle injury to regenerate damaged tissue. And when I actually started to look a little bit further into stem cells, it was actually a really fascinating area, and I'll just give you a little bit of a background. And how they've actually linked stem cells into this is actually around the responses or understanding the mechanisms of BFR training. You have your muscle signaling pathways, intracellular signaling, uh, hormonal pathways, and so forth. And they actually start to talk about the increased protein synthesis and looking at that kind of pathway. And with respect to myogenic stem cells, the activation and proliferation of these stem cells have been implied to be involved in accelerated hypertrophy signaling in human skeletal muscle, where the amount of myonuclei in the myofiber have been proposed to impose a ceiling effect on myofiber hypertrophy. Now, remembering that a myofiber is the muscle fiber itself. It's a multi-nucleated single muscle cell. And if we actually hear the word myofibril, it's actually a cylindrical organelles found within the muscle cell, which is a contractile unit of the muscle. It was actually back in 1961 that a scientist called Alexander Muro, M-A-U-R-O, who observed a mononuclear cell between the basal lamina that surrounds each muscle fiber and the plasma membrane of the muscle fiber and named them a satellite cell. These satellite cells were later accepted to be and are still considered today the main players in skeletal muscle regeneration. And it appears that the word satellite cell and stem cell seems to be used interchangeably when I'm looking at these articles here. I've actually delved into a different paper to get a little bit more understanding behind stem cells. It's well documented that myogenic stem cells activate and proliferate in response to prolonged heavy resistance training in human skeletal muscle. And as we seem to know, 
best response or the best training response seems to be with heavy training resistance. And as we found with a lot of BFR training, there seems to be some really great evidence in other areas of responses. And, and you know, as in my last podcast, we actually saw with 14 weeks of low load BFR, we had an adaptive response in Achilles tendons that's only previously seen with heavy resistance training. So therefore, they thought, can we see something here with BFR? Just briefly trying to understand a little bit more about myogenic stem cells. Newly formed daughter cells differentiate to become fusion-capable myoblasts that either return to quinescence or reversibly withdraw from the cell cycle to fuse with pre-existing muscle fibers with the purpose of assisting in muscle fiber or myofiber regeneration or providing myonuclear addition. In human intervention studies, additions of myonuclear only seem to place concurrently with marked myofiber hypertrophy, which suggests that these factors are interlinked in human skeletal muscle. Therefore, myogenic stem cells most likely play an essential role in conditions of amplified muscle protein synthesis by providing additional DNA content for mRNA transcription. However, the myogenic stem cell response included in the aspect of myonuclear addition has not yet been examined during and after BFR training. Therefore, the aim of the present study was to investigate whether the hypertrophy response observed with BFR training involves myogenic stem cell proliferation and myonuclear addition. A small little point here around stem cells is that typically with a lot of the populations that I work with, their athletes, so I'm thinking about muscle fiber regeneration following injury or how do we try and improve performance in athletes that can't lift high loads and obviously stem cells might have play an important role within this muscle fiber regeneration however in gen pop this has really great application and therefore there's much interest in understanding the cellular and molecular mechanisms underlying skeletal muscle regeneration in different contexts and in particular this may help in the development of cell therapies for diseases characterized by skeletal muscle degeneration. These diseases in particular may include muscle dystrophy, which is a term for a group of inherited disorders characterized by progressive muscle wasting and weakness leading to a variable degree of mobility limitation. Therefore, this type of application of BFR not only can help athletes, not only gen pop, but also certain populations which may actually benefit from the improvement of stem cell proliferation has fantastic application in this response and as we know with most exercise if we have populations who are struggling that using low loads of 20% of 1RM and in even some cases I've seen great responses just using body weight you know has massive application and it's quite exciting. Anyway back to the study with respect to the subjects they had 20 healthy male subjects where 12 performed the BFR training intervention and 8 served as the controls, where they performed non-included work match bouts of exercise. It's also important to note that none of the subjects had participated in systematic strength training within a year prior to the study, and they didn't perform any structured training regimes. With respect to the training intervention, the subjects participated in a three-week supervised training program consisting of 23 training sessions. Over this three-week period, they performed sessions either once or twice per day, depending on which day it was and what week it was as well. If they performed two training sessions within one day, they were separated by at least four hours. With respect to the BFR intervention, they used a pneumatic cuff of 15 centimeters width, which was placed on the upper thigh. 
and this was using a Zimmer system, which ensured automatic regulation of the pressure cuff, which was at 100 mils of mercury. Really interesting that that's perhaps a little on the lower side, 100 mils at 15 centimeters, and there seemed to be no individualization of pressures according to the subjects, which a lot of evidence now seems to point towards that to be a more effective method. The BFR subjects, they performed four sets of unilateral dynamic knee extensions on a Cybex machine, and they performed this at 20% of their 1RM to concentric failure. The successive sets were separated by 30 seconds rest periods, and the restrictions of BFR was maintained for the entire training session, so it was a continuous training pressure. And the session only took approximately eight minutes, really short. At the end of the session, the pressure was released. The control subjects, they performed a work match exercise protocol, but without the BFR. So how simple is that? Four sets of leg extensions to fatigue and done within eight minutes, sometimes once, sometimes twice a day. When they look at different assessments here with respect to maximal isometric muscle strength, knee extensor maximal voluntary contraction was performed at 70 degrees of a knee joint angle where zero degrees is full extension using an isokinetic dynamometer. If you don't know what that is, essentially that's like a big massive leg extension machine you get strapped into and it measures different forces either concentrically, eccentrically and also isometrically. And with respect to this here, they actually did an isometric test where it consisted of five three-second maximal isometric contractions, which the subjects were instructed to contract as hard as possible. With respect to understanding the mechanisms, they performed muscle biopsy sampling, and this was obtained from the vastus lateralis muscle, which seems to be the most popular area to take muscle biopsies from. Type 1 and type 2 myofibers or muscle fibers were analyzed, and the myofiber area or the muscle fiber area was also determined. With respect to how they identified stem cells in this study, they actually looked at a marker called PAC7 or otherwise known as transcription factor paired box 7. When we look at the identification and characterization of stem cells, there's a little bit more background. The most stringent way to classify cells as stem cells remains by determining their anatomical location. As I mentioned earlier, they're found underneath the basal lamina of muscle fibers, which is also close to the plasma membrane. Stem cells are present in healthy adult mammalian muscle as quiescent cells, which in other words, they're cells in a state or period of inactivity or dormancy and represent about 2 to 6% of all nuclei of a given muscle fiber. However, when activated by muscle injury, they can generate large numbers of new myofibers within just a few days. These quiescent stem cells which once again, they're stem cells in a period of inactivity or dormancy, they express characteristic or unique markers. And this is where the most widely used of these markers is this transcription factor pair box 7 or PAC7, which is what they used in this study. An interesting thing around their protocol was actually when they tested, typically when people do any sort of training intervention in an academic study, they'll do a pre, maybe a midpoint, and a post and that'll be it. What they did here is they actually had their pre and a midpoint but also what they did was rather than just doing an immediate post they actually looked at doing testing at two time points several days after they actually finished the training intervention. 
with respect to the isokinetic dynamometer, they had time points at pre and five and 12 days post-training. Muscle biopsies, they were performed at pre at day eight, which was midpoint, as well as three and 10 days post-training. Their control group, the biopsies they performed at pre, mid eight, and just post three, so they didn't worry about that 10 days. Typically, we would expect if you stop training that we would see a massive reduction in any kind of performance marker or any kind of muscle marker. You kind of think, you know, once you stop using it, you typically lose it. So this is really interesting that they've gone several days, or in this case, 10 to 12 days post-training intervention to actually look at some sort of marker. Moving on to the results, and I'm just going to go through this really quickly. When we look at the subjects, two subjects from the BFR group actually left the project prematurely. So there was actually only 10 in the BFR group and eight in the control. When we look at the training progression of the sets and reps, when we look at the first set, they did around 40 reps. And then from second, third to fourth, they did 12, then eight, and then around six to seven repetitions. And this fits in really well with what we would try and see with BFR type training. And although in most BFR studies, we see the 75 rep protocol, this actually fits quite well into the world of Katsu. And when you do a lot of reading there, is is they don't necessarily set a strict number on the first set. The first set needs to be done to fatigue. So therefore they set a range of around 20 to up to 50 repetitions. And they wanna see a decrement across each set. And they actually say sometimes the fourth set is voluntary. So if you actually get this decrement, that you don't necessarily need to do that full set. This fits really well here. With respect to the maximal isometric quadricep strength, the knee extensor maximal voluntary contraction increased in the BFR group only. And this was seen at five days post, relative increase of 7%, and at 12 days post, a 10.6% improvement in knee extensor isometric strength. No changes were observed in the control group. When we look at the myofiber cross-sectional area and the fiber type distribution, type 2 muscle fiber area was larger than type 1 at pre in both intervention groups. Type 1 muscle fiber area increased with BFR training at midpoint, 3 days post and 10 days post. And they had relative increases of around 35% across all three time points. So it was actually 37, 35 and 31%. Likewise, type 2 muscle fiber area also increased in the BFR group. And when we look at the different time points at mid eight, a relative increase of 38%, at post three, 37%, and at 10 days post, a 32.2% relative increase in type 2 fibers. In the control group, muscle fiber area increased for type 1 and type 2 muscle fibers at midpoint eight only and they had increases of around 25%, and they returned to baseline values at post three. Looking at the myogenic stem cell content, and this is what the paper was actually about, as here they looked at the marker PAX7, and their cells per type one myofiber increased with BFR training from pre to midpoint, post three, and 10 days post training. And they saw relative increases of 292% at midpoint, 242% at post three and 10 days post still had a relative increase of 143% compared to pre-values. The PAC7 cells or the, the stem cell content marker for type two myofibers also increase across all three time points 
and had the similar kind of increases. So at midpoint, 276%, three days after, 264%, and 10 days after, 144%. And no changes were observed in the control group. This therefore shows that the BFR is really doing something to help with this proliferation of the myogenic stem cell content. BFR training also led to an increased number of myonuclei, so that's the nuclei of a muscle fiber, per type 1 and type 2 myofibers at midpoint 3 and 10 days post-training for the BFR group, whereas no changes were observed in the control group for this parameter. Moving on to discussion, which gives a little bit more depth behind what they saw here. So overall, several noticeable findings emerged. Firstly, it was demonstrated the expression of PAC7 cells, which is that marker of stem cell content, was markedly increased from three to four-fold upregulated relative to baseline values in response to 19 days of BFR resistance training. And this continued to remain elevated in the following 10 days after the training which has a really great application for BFR training. You can actually then have some sort of effect holding 10 days after. Secondly, BFR training led to an increased number of myonuclei per myofiber, strongly indicating the presence of myostem cell to myoblast fusion with existing myofibers. Thirdly, Type 1 and type 2 myofiber area increased markedly already in the very initial phase of training. So that's five days of training to midpoint at eight, irrespective of the intervention modality. However, the muscle fiber area remained elevated throughout the study period with BFR training only, where the controls returned to baseline levels at the end of the training period. Therefore, the present data demonstrates that low load BFR training can elicit marked muscle stem cell proliferation as well as myonuclei addition in human skeletal muscle, which is accompanied by subsequent gains in muscle fiber area. As the main and novel finding in this present study, where short-term high-frequency BFR training using low loads of 20% of 1RM appears effective for inducing a marked proliferation of myogenic stem cells compared to other training modalities. Previous human studies have demonstrated significant proliferation and differentiation of stem cells during muscle regeneration or when myonuclei are needed during myofiber hypertrophy. The unusually large increase in this PAC7 cells observed, or in other words, the markers of stem cells observed in this present study could reflect both myofiber regeneration and or a need for myonuclei addition. The latter notion has been supported by the present finding of a very large increase in myofiber area. Previously, the largest reported changes in stem cell content has been observed after unaccustomed high volume eccentric exercise. So therefore, this study here shows that using low load BFR can now sit alongside this type of training when we're looking at stem cell content. In summary, this present study reports a rapid and pronounced increase in myofiber area concomitantly with market increases in the proliferation and differentiation of stem cells during and following three weeks of BFR exercise. The increase in the muscle fiber area was accompanied by corresponding increases in contractile function as seen by the elevated maximal voluntary contraction in the isometric test. These data indicate that the unusually large increase in muscle fiber area observed in the BFR training, at least in part, may rely on an increase in stem cell proliferation and differentiation that results in the donation of additional myonuclei to the myofibers. In turn, this incorporation of stem cell-derived myonuclei 
provides an improved capacity for myofibrillar gene transcription, which is likely to contribute to an enhanced activity of cellular protein synthesis. Therefore, as you can see here, that these findings have, aside from the sporting context here, where we're trying to improve the rehab of the athletes, but also has this useful clinical implications for gen pop, but also for our special populations as well. In my opinion, it just really highlights another positive mechanisms which supports the positive use for BFR. In this case, where myogenic stem cells may be that marker for certain populations which we're trying to improve upon, I think it just adds that extra weight to having this as an additional tool in your toolbox for those populations. And as we've said time and time again, the other positive benefits of BFR, such as increased muscle activation, but in these special populations, you know, decreased joint and tendon pain, people just want to train. And I found so many people who try BFR, they just feel great using it and they want to come back for more. So as previously, they've tried to grind away with heavy weights. They've been able to use a nice manageable load at 20% or, you know, some cases they can now do body weight or light therabands. They can take their gym sessions to their home and, you know, and they can get it done nice and quick and they can feel and then eventually see the benefit. Again, another positive addition to why we should be including BFR in our training regimes. I hope you enjoyed that one. And thanks again to Dan for suggesting it. If anyone else there has a suggestions of different types of articles that they want to listen to or topics, drop me a line either through my website. They actually, uh, actually Dan commented on Podbean and, and we've been having some conversation there or obviously through my socials at Chris Cavillier. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. And that's all today for this episode of BFR Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to take part in the podcast, please contact me through my website or on social media channels at Chris Cavillio. For more information and to order a set of your own BFR cuffs, please visit my website at sportsrehab.com.au. Thanks for listening and keep the pump. 